Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, September 25th, 2023. Our dear friend Phil Giraldi joins us now. Phil, always a pleasure. There there are still reverberations going on uh, that I can sense in the media and from various sources uh, over President Zelensky's uh, trip to the U.S. last week. Uh, he had three, well, a trip to North America, I should say. He had three focus points. One was the UN, one was Washington, one was Ottawa. We'll talk about Ottawa later, and we'll eventually get to Washington. But let's start with uh, New York. I mean, he arrived to a uh, serious um, research piece by the New York Times uh, pointing out that a Ukrainian village which he had claimed was destroyed by Russian missiles and therefore was a war crime. In fact, it had been destroyed by uh, Ukrainian missiles. While he was here, uh, the president of Poland, right outside uh, the UN, stood at the edge of the East River and said, we're not going to help them out. It's like a, a lifeguard saving a drowning victim. The drowning victim is so flailing about, he's going to pull the lifeguard down uh, as well. When President Zelensky spoke to the UN General Assembly, it was half uh, empty. And of course, he was denied a presser, a joint presser with uh, President Biden, and he was denied the opportunity to speak uh, to a joint session of Congress. And he's still happy. I mean, how do you view his week in the US? Well, I would say that uh, uh, everybody is beginning to wake up to the reality of just how horrific a downside of what's going on in Ukraine really is. And by that, I mean that here we have a half lunatic head of state who basically is willing to do anything to uh, to bring other countries into this war, which he's having. And he was pulling all the pulling out all the plugs and making all the efforts and everything like that. And people were just kind of walking away from it. He, as you pointed out, he had uh, he made a speech on the second day of the United Nations General Assembly meeting, which is usually a very full and active day. And uh, the uh, I saw a video of the hall; it was more than uh, more than half empty. And when he was making his uh, what he thought were his clever points, nobody was applauding. And uh, so this was uh, a sign of things that were to come. And uh, 
uh, by the time he got to Washington, which I assume we'll, we'll talk a little more about, uh, it wasn't the hero's welcome that he got a year ago. In fact, it was more like nobody really wanted to talk to him or see him or to commit to anything with him. Because again, the writing is on the wall in terms of what's going on uh, in Ukraine and with Russia. And uh, I think uh, a, a lot of people are, are waking up to it finally, including some heads of state and politicians. And, and yeah. of course, we had the Poland, uh, Poland Slovakia, Hungary uh, conflict with uh, Ukraine over uh, grain imports and agricultural products, which uh, Ukraine has been flooding those countries with. And they finally said enough. Uh, before we get to the grain, and, and I want your uh, thoughts on it, uh, President's, President Biden's speech was also a dud. I, I think the two of them, and this is your analysis as well, I believe, uh, wanted to make last week a, a, a festival of hatred for Russia. And I don't think they succeeded in doing it. Both speeches were duds. Uh, in neither speech would the camera uh, pan uh, the audience. Uh, Biden didn't have a full house either. Maybe the first time in history that there was not a full house uh, for the president uh, of the United States. But if, if they were in cahoots with each other, if Jake uh, Sullivan talked to to Zelensky's speechwriter and said, here's what Joe's going to say. So Vladimir's got to say this. Don't worry, we'll beat the Bushes against Russia. I think they failed. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. I think uh, if you compare the texts of the two speeches such as they were, uh, they basically were, uh, uh, the framework was, let's really uh, denigrate Russia and call Russia a terrorist state and talk and call uh, Putin a despot and so on and so forth. And that's, uh, that's the line that they pursued, but that line is not selling very well anymore. Uh, the fact is, uh, Putin certainly has his faults and the, uh, the Russian government system certainly has... Uh, some, shall we say, idiosyncrasies, but uh, every country is like that. Uh, let's look at what Joe Biden has been doing. And, and uh, if we want to compare, you know, who's, who's the more uh, sensible and sound statesman, I think Joe Biden is the one that comes down low on the list. Why do uh, American elites hate Russia? Why, why, have, why has the CIA and MI6 been planting all these stories in the in the press why the anti-russia propaganda why not just treat russia as another strong nation and trade with it so they can become prosperous and and be markets for our goods and we can buy from their markets well that was kind of the intention back in the 1990s and uh it was uh what what turned out was that basically the west decided that russia was uh was a resource that we were going to go in there and uh, take everything valuable that they had and, and just tell them to go to hell, uh, Boris Yeltsin. And um, Putin is, was the antidote to that. Now, so you had that bad blood that started when the Soviet Union broke up. Uh, you had the fact that Russia was at that point a traditional enemy and the United States, God knows, always needs to have enemies. And uh, I would also add the, the point that uh, uh, many of the, the commentaries uh, were from Jews who are um, who nurture the, the, the history of Jews in Russia 
and uh, have uh, basically been prejudiced against Russia and written about it, uh, those of them who are journalists. So there's a, there's that going into it too. Uh, and, and so, you know, Russia, Russia, uh, you know, uh, Putin has said more than once, he said, we want to be a normal country and we want to have normal relationships with all of you. And, um, and this was basically rejected by the U.S. and Western Europe. I know the Prime Minister, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu blasted Iran. He's been blasting Iran for 20 years. Did he blast Putin also? Yeah, yeah, he did actually on this trip. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a wholehearted uh, screaming fit or anything like that. But he's, uh, he's careful because, of course, a lot of, a lot of uh, Russian Jews emigrated to Israel. And a large part of uh, the more conservative voters uh, who vote for Netanyahu uh, are, are of Russian background. So Netanyahu was very careful of staying on both sides on this issue. And he's, he, he's very clever at doing that. And how is it that um, we have come from uh, in, in the Reagan and George H.W. Bush years, a country that wanted to uh, sell, you know, refrigerators and blue jeans to uh, the Russians, to a country that now uh, despises uh, their leadership. And what role does the CIA play in that transformation of American culture and American attitudes about Russians? Yeah, let's let's start with the end of that. I think that the CIA and other institutional national security bodies in the United States, to include the National Security Council, to include NSA, to include the Pentagon's intelligence arm, uh, all of these bodies have a, uh, a historic antipathy towards Russia and mistrust of Russia. I know even among my peers uh, in the agency that I still have contact with, many of them kind of have this this suspicious thing about Russia. So it's a, it's a historic thing. It's something that's in people's heads. And there's a, a lot of that going around. And then I think you have to put that together with the fact that the, the history of the United States, uh, certainly since the Second World War, has, has been that of a, of a state addicted to war that is always looking out for national security issues and is always looking out for enemies. So this is a pervasive thinking too. And it's, it's a shame. It need not be. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Russia. I've been to Russia a couple of times. Uh, you know, they're like everyone else. They're, they're real people. Uh, they have real needs, real interests. And uh, uh, let's just drop this stuff about uh, perpetual enemies. We don't need it. Well, how adept is MI6 at uh, propagandizing and why does the press buy this? MI6, uh, I encountered a lot of MI6 people uh, in Europe and the Middle East when I was in the agency. Uh, got along very well with them, knew a lot of them. They are deeply embedded in Europe and in Eastern Europe and in Russia. They have a long history of doing this kind of stuff and doing it very effectively with, with officers who were fluent in the local languages, much better than, than uh, CIA. And uh, they, are, they are manipulators in a lot of these situations. The, probably the war between Ukraine and, 
and Russia would not have taken place without uh, a British prime minister going and talking to, to Zelensky and, and telling him how he, we had his back and he shouldn't give in to the Russians. The war would probably not have happened. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Gary, do we have the uh, clip of uh, Senator Schumer bowing to uh, President Zelensky as he's standing next to Mitch McConnell? We don't. Okay, I don't know if you saw that uh, last week. Um, President Zelensky walks through the hallway uh, of the Capitol building. He sees uh, Senator Schumer. Schumer shakes his hand and bows like this and then says in audible English, we're in your corner. Now, of course, there's a double entendre there. He, he could mean we're, we're boxed in the corner like you are, or we're in the, your corner, meaning like the corner of the ring where a boxer is, and we're going to uh, we're going to help you out. That's about the biggest public display of affection he got in D.C., and it was weird because of Chuck Schumer's bow. I was bowing the likes of which I have really uh, never seen in public from one American official to the head of state of a foreign, uh, a foreign country. But when he got back, uh, this is yesterday, so this is Sunday afternoon. Here's what uh, President Zelensky, it's a short um, uh, clip and there's an English translation, simultaneous English translation. Here's what President Zelensky uh, wants the Ukrainian people to believe he succeeded in accomplishing. There is a historic decision by the United States to jointly produce weapons and defense systems, in particular, air defense. This is something that was an absolute fantasy until recently, but it will become a reality. We will make it a reality. I held very important meetings in Washington in Congress, both parties, both houses, and we specifically requested a format of meetings and communication in Congress that would allow for the most detailed conversation. This resulted in more trust, and I heard that support for Ukraine will persist. This results, uh, resulted in more trust, and I heard that support for Ukraine uh, will persist. Okay, this is this is what he heard. Maybe Joe Biden said, we'll give you those uh, attack them acronym. I'm pronouncing it the way I think they want you to pronounce it, uh, missiles. Uh, but Joe Biden also floated the idea of something that Congress has rejected, uh, which is an inspector general. I think he threw that out there to try and uh, win over conservative and libertarian uh, Republicans in the House who were refusing to vote for any appropriation for Ukraine 
uh, whatsoever. I don't think it was a good week uh, for uh, President Zelensky, and I don't think um, the White House is going to get that $28 billion that it wants. What do you think? It's the $28 billion on top of the $113 billion. Yeah, well, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, Senator Rand Paul said he's going to do everything within his power, and senators have a lot of power on these kinds of issues, uh, to disengage that money from the defense bill, which is how they were trying to s- squeak it through. And right. he said, no, this is going to be something that's subject to analysis and to a vote independently, and they may not get it. So we have that floating out there. Uh, no, he had a bad week, and he's trying to, of course, cover up for it. Uh, a lot of these uh, these joint meetings and these joint projects and everything like that, it's a joke that he's actually talking about this because he's got no joint to give into the joint. I mean, he's basically <laughs> fantasizing about uh, he being a major league player in all this. Uh, he is totally dependent on the goodwill and the money and the uh, the weapons being provided by the United States and NATO. And he's joking if he thinks otherwise. So I, yes. I and he got it. Let's face it, he got a minimum cold-handed uh, greeting when he was in Washington, and uh, that that should have sent signals to to him right there. And I, I'm sure it did. He got a warmer greeting in Canada, but this is truly bizarre. We'll play the uh, clip. I mean, it's one thing for a parliament getting carried away with some sort of uh, false patriot, patriotic, uh, pro-Western view to give him a standing ovation. They gave him about a dozen standing ovations. It's quite another for one of those ovations to be centered on a former SS stormtrooper who happens to have been Ukrainian, who happens to have fought, I don't know, with the Russians, against the Nazis, with the Nazis, against the Russians. It's hard to say. This guy was, this guy was, was, a, was a Nazi, was a German SS trooper, and now he's being lauded in the Canadian Parliament. Well, take a look at this. When, when you see it, you have to look quickly to see President Zelensky. He's all the way over on the left of your screen as the clip starts. Then the camera goes up into the balcony where you see this 98-year-old fellow who's the former and apparently still, in his own view, a Nazi. His speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was also one for this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. So... Listen, I don't know who this reporter is, but she's claiming that the Nazi stormtroopers fought for Ukrainian independence. Russia was our ally during the Second World War. So what's your take on this? Well, they would have to dig real deeply to to get uh, to unravel the various stories that came out of the Second World War. The SS had a, a had basically like a foreign legion division, which had uh, uh, people from all over Western Europe and Eastern Europe, and certainly there were a lot of Ukrainians had, who had who joined it because they had major grievances against Stalin and what Stalin had done to the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainian people. So the the story is not as weird as it seems. 
But the these people aspect. actually, actually voluntarily and intellectually chose Hitler over Stalin. Absolutely, and and you can you can check that out. It's a it's a it's a fact. The uh, the thing that's weird about it is how the Canadians seem to have misconstrued this whole story in a in a funny kind of way and surfaced this at, at this time and in this context. I, I just find it incredible. But hey. Uh, the Canadians never do anything in a normal way. So, you know, what can I say? Gary, run the, uh, run the clip again, please. His speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was also one for this man, a 98 year old Ukrainian Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the second world war. So when president Putin says we are fighting Nazis and we are fighting the remnant of a Nazi ideology, there is there is accuracy in that statement. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as they say, I don't know what the numbers were like, but I would imagine they're in the multiple tens of thousands, uh, possibly, who, uh, who fought for uh, the Germans uh, against the Russians because of I say the Russians had a recent recent history of uh, their own Holocaust uh, against the Ukrainians under Stalin. So the, these these memories go with the actions, and um, yeah, uh, I would I would think that's the case. I have to ask you. Uh, this is a, a a side issue. It has to do with the origin of COVID. Don't worry, we're not going to get into any virology. As smart as you are, we're not going to go there. But last week, John Ratcliffe, uh, the director of national intelligence in the last year and a half of President Trump's administration, uh, published an op-ed uh, in the Wall Street Journal uh, arguing that the CIA bribed some CIA analysts, management bribing analysts, to get them to change their views on the true origin of COVID. Professor Jeffrey Sachs of Columbia University made the same argument here on judging freedom. Have you ever heard of the CIA bribing with cash bribes uh, its own analysts? No, but of course, the, the way it's normally done is in a subtle fashion, which is that you're bribed with a promotion, which is the equivalent of money. Um, and that's the way the system works. If you go along with what the system wants uh, in the intelligence world, um, you're getting rewarded. If not, you kind of uh, spent 30 years as a GS-14. Wow. All right, Phil, thank you very much. Thanks for your uh, analysis uh, and, and your thoughts. This stuff seems to be getting worse rather than better. The elites still believe that uh, Ukraine is winning. The uh, elites still believe the offensive is going to prevail. The elites still want to demonize Putin. I just don't know what it's going to take. Maybe you do for them to open up their eyes and recognize uh, the reality of what they see. Well, I think they, I think most of them do know what the reality is, but the problem is that they don't feel that given their context, where they work, like at American Enterprise Institute or places like that, 
that they can speak the truth, first of all, uh, and and secondly, it would not enhance their careers to do so. So, you know, it's 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 complicated. People people play this game every day. Uh, they they look at an issue from a moral viewpoint. They have a certain stance on it, but then they turn around and say, "Well, look, I can't say that. I can't do that." Well. All right, Phil Giraldi, thank you very much, my dear friend. We, we greatly appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you again right here next week. Oh, thank you. Of course. Morris, we get it, my uh, dear friends. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>